0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Super Bowl Edition. Hope you guys are all ready for the big game. I am here to help preview things alongside my two favorite co-hosts, my only two co-hosts, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane and Andrew Erickson. Fellas, how's it going? Andrew, you can say something first.
1: Uh, Things are going good. Yeah, Uh, I'm excited to to break down the Super Bowl. I know that people have heard about, you know, the the Bengals offensive line versus Rams defensive front. Like, what's going to happen? But... Happy to talk about some of these favorite player props that I've been hitting basically for the past two weeks. Talk a little DFS and yeah, get ready for the hashtag big game.
0: Prop, prop for himself. This is his Super Bowl
2: pun intended. Dwayne, how are you, my friend? Man, I'm excellent. Uh, it's a Super Bowl. Like what? I mean, what else do we want? Like, what else do we <laughs> we get, get to do a job where I talk about the NFL for my living. Uh, get paid to do it. I guess in most jobs you get paid. Maybe there's some where you don't. But I'm like, I don't have to be like an intern doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. To, to, so, to, yeah, to yeah, like, trying to
0: spark a should you be paid to work argument here. The <laughs>
2: no, 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 not yet, not yet. We'll save that for deeper. Wait, you guys are getting off-season. paid. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So today I
0: understand everyone, you know, we're recording this on a Friday. I'm sure you've all had plenty of time to think about the Super Bowl. So we're not trying to go through each and every matchup out there, but we do want to go through a key thing for each offense to look out for our favorite props, picks for the game and some quick DFS thoughts. So fellas, let's get started with Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense. Obviously, you know, we're going to need to see Chase and Ramsey. Who's going to win that battle? Can Joe Mixon get past Aaron Donald and company? Andrew, what is the one matchup that you're kind of most interested in or have a big time take on concerning the Bengals offense.
1: Yeah, I think that something I'm really looking forward to watching is, you know, how the Bengals take advantage of T. Higgins when he's matched up against Darius Williams. Like, I, I think that that's a huge mismatch. I know that there's been a lot of talk about Ramsey, you know, lining up against Jamar Chase. And that's obviously like the battle of the two alphas. But really, it comes down to not to call T. Higgins an ancillary receiver, but he is kind of the 1B the in the Bengals offense. But, I mean, when you look at the just size mismatch of Higgins versus Williams, I mean, Darius Williams, 5'9", 187. I mean, that I, I was close to that type of weight in my prime. Like, I was right oh, right around there. Oh. <laughs> so and then T. Higgins, you have coming at 6'4", 215 pounds. He, I, I just think that there's a huge mismatch for T. Higgins and the advantage that he has over Darius Williams, just to absolutely body him. Higgins has a 26% target share over the last two weeks, which is higher than Jamar Chase. And Williams has been targeted 18 times over the last two weeks. Like, it's it's no debate who teams are picking on. They're not looking to find Ramsey on an island and pick on him. They're trying to find Darius Williams because he's definitely the weakest part of the Rams secondary. So I think Higgins is really in store for a massive game if we do end up seeing a lot of coverage Ramsey on Jamar Chase. Dwayne, are you in
0: similar feelings? I mean, this was kind of what Ben Brown was saying on our 10 Questions podcast as well. It seems like, come on, we got Ramsey most likely spending most of his time across from Chase. Is it Higgins that needs to be the
2: X factor here? Are you looking some, are you looking elsewhere? Well, the only problem, right, is when we talk about the Rams, really over 70% of the time they're playing zone. So unless they're running a match concept, even when you have Ramsey lined up over you, like is he following you for the whole route? Yeah, I think that's the question. We have seen that some this year, um, but just because he shadows doesn't mean that he always stays with the player through the whole route, so it's a little bit confusing, but I do agree overall um, with what Andrew's saying and I, I think the biggest thing for me is we know that the Bengals are probably going to have to try to use the quick passing game and if you guys haven't checked out Seth Galina's article about one of the best ways that the Bengals can be successful with the quick passing game because of the way that the Rams come out on early downs. Like, so as long as we don't have the Bengals trying to just run the into the five-man front, you know, uh, so when I say five-man front, the five down defensive linemen that the Rams quite often use on first down, that means you've got less guys in coverage back behind it. So if you get Cincinnati trying to use more of that quick passing like what we saw against Kansas City, you know, is this potentially a game where we see Tyler Boyd, you know, have a nice game? Because we've got C.J. Uzama, you know, did get a a limited practice yesterday. I haven't seen, you may have it, in, but I haven't seen what he did today. So I kind of think Tyler Boyd, like, is a sneaky matchup you know, guy um, because he's got the lowest eight out on the team He's going to work from the slot. So he could end up being this could be Tyler Boyd's most important game of the season. T Higgins was the guy I was going to talk about, you know, first. But I think you just put Tyler Boyd in that same conversation. Ninety nine targets a season without a single drop for
0: Tyler Boyd. League high. Next closest guy. Cordero Patterson, 63. He's second place. It's it would be. I'd be a bad analyst if I didn't bring it up. All CPAT allegiance aside. So I don't want to hear any of that. Uh, Yeah, I I think Ramsey can at a minimum not let Chase take over the entire freaking game, which is going to lead to all these complimentary pieces. And don't sleep on Yuzoma. He did say he will be out there. I'm not missing the biggest game of my life. Whether he's listed questionable or not, you know, remains to be seen. But this Rams defense, man, again, we see them really great against wide receivers as a whole. You know, Darius Warren's excluded and all that. But first inline receiver. Receivers, 25th in yards per attempt allowed. Versus receivers out of the backfield, 21st. Like, you know, Dwayne, we kind of mocked it all year long. Like, why Samaj P. Ryan? Why was he the one getting the pass down role in Cincinnati? I was making fun of him last week in front of my friends, and then he immediately takes a screen to the house, and I look like a freaking idiot, <laughs> uh, despite this is my profession. But it's weird, man, because Mixon, they really like switch roles from what they were doing at Oklahoma. uh I'm curious to see here, because this is, you know, last game of the year, can't hold anything back. Dwayne, do you think we? See the usual mix in Piron usage, though, or could it be a situation where it's like, hey, Joe, unless your freaking leg falls off, you're not leaving the field?
2: I have a feeling it's going to be the same. They just seem to prefer, you know, Piron. The way I look at it, like every game, once you get into it, and really, I mean, if you look at the Bengals, they didn't play the last week. Um, so, Let's just look at the playoffs. Like, if you just look at the playoffs, like those are all do or die basically games, right? It's like, hey, we've got to win to keep going, and in every game, really, you know, Pirine's owned all of the long down and distance work, most of the two minute offense work. So, I really don't think that's going to change. And if they come out, if the Bengals come out and force themselves into more long down and distance, which could happen with a really good. Um, Rams defensive front right whether it's a sack or whether it's a stuff on first down of Joe Mixon we could see more long down and distance situations in the game which means P. Ryan could be on the field just a little bit more than what we've seen in the past you know everything's situational depends on the way the game script works out but if we find the Bengals in those sort of situations like this could be a game where P. Ryan actually has more work than he's had in the previous three 21%, 22%, 25% snap rates over the past three
0: weeks for P-Rime. With that said before last week, and this is coming from Andrew Erickson's always fantastic prop article on PFF.com, he had only surpassed 13 receiving yards just once since week 12. We will see what happens ahead of Sunday. Fellas, now let's talk about Matthew Stafford and this Rams offense. Andrew, what sticks out to you here? Because on the one hand, we know what Cooper Cup's capable of. We've seen OBJ catch 18 of 20. One targets and be great. With that said, is the Cam Akers maybe not, I don't want to say hate, but the Rams running game. Like, okay, they haven't gotten anything going over the past three, four weeks. With that said, they face quite a few juggernaut front sevens. Not so sure the Cincy one is with all due respect to Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because I'm, I'm really torn here because I've just been betting Cam Akers unders all week long. <laughs> so, so I want to come out and say or not, nah, dude, he's got no chance of doing absolutely nothing. But you bring up a really good point. Like they have faced, you know, the juggernaut of defenses of run defenses. You know, the 49ers are top run defense. The Buccaneers are top run defense. And the Rams, you know, have just been decided to run into these walls and to no avail. And, you know, Akers numbers have obviously not looked good from an efficiency standpoint. It's it's pretty well known that it just hasn't really been super efficient on the ground but it has been a lot of tough matchups and he hasn't been put in a position where he's able to succeed same thing with sony Michel; i don't think he got over 20 yards in the last game that he played despite having a decent amount of volume but i do think that Akers still has the main role as the receiver um out of the backfield. when he first came back he was still playing over sony Michel in terms of routes run on receiving down so if there's a scenario in this game where the rams do fall behind then you look at cam Aker's. i like a lot of cam Aker's overs on some of his receiving yards props because I think that that's his role, even though we've gotten coach speak from Sean McVay saying that, okay, it's, we're going to ride the hot hand depends on how the game flows, which makes exact sense. Like if they're up big, they might use Sony Michelle a little bit more in that more of that power run scheme, as opposed to using Cam Akers, where if it's a little bit more back and forth, we'll probably see more Cam Akers in there. And I know that Daryl Henderson now is like being rumored to be part of the mix as well, but I really don't think he's going to have much of a role. I think he'll be active. And if something gets, I mean, Cam Agar's hurt his shoulder last week. So, of course, you want to have a, you know, Daryl Henderson available to you and not Jake Funk as your third Mm down back. You'd prefer Henderson, who's actually been a starting running back in the NFL this season. So... I do think that Cam Akers is probably being a little underrated from an efficiency standpoint because I think that the Bengals' run defense is not nearly as good as the defense that they've played, but I do have concerns about the volume that he'll see. I do think that it will be not necessarily so skewed. You know, like a couple weeks ago when we saw Akers basically out touch Michelle, I think it was like 27-3, to 3, like the last time that we saw them both fully held. I think that's a little too aggressive, but I do think that Akers ultimately does rule the backfield.
0: Yeah, the Akers, you know, just, I want to see kind of like where his dynasty ADP and like ranks have moved over the past five, six weeks, because yeah, after he just completely dominated the backfield, it was like, we're back. We're good. RB won all over again. <laughs> and then all of a sudden last week, he's back to splitting things with Sony Michelle. as it stands, polished off the first edition of my dynasty ranks the other night. I got Cam Akers, RB 14, just a little bit below the industry consensus. Dwayne, what, how is your opinion on Akers, you know, from, a fantasy dynasty standpoint really changed throughout these playoffs obviously it's been great seeing him get back to full health but man we've seen enough here with sony staying involved i'm not super convinced he's going to be out there getting that you know three four hundred touch roll that maybe we, we thought he would based on the first few games where he was a lead back
2: i think no one knows anything that's what I think. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I hate to say that, but dude, think about like last week. We're like, oh my God, Cam Akers, 80%, you know, I mean, well, two weeks ago, right? And now it's, you know, he was out there for 40% of the snaps. It's just, it's kind of all over the place. One week we think, wow, it's hard to think that Cam Akers can't be a top 10 back. And then, you know, we get one new data point. It's like, wow, maybe Cam Akers isn't inside the top 12. I, I think we're going to have to wait and see how the offseason plays out. What does that look like? Do they bring Sony Michelle back? Is it just Daryl Henderson, you know, with Akers to start the season next year? Do they draft someone? I think there's a lot of different things that could happen. Um, I think the positive for Akers is we have seen him, you know, come back and handle, you know, really all things you know, considered like, this is a really big workload to be handling, you know, whenever you just, su- when you just suffered an Achilles tear, you know, this past summer. So I think those things are all positive, but we also haven't seen him be very efficient, right? He just hasn't been able to do much with the work. Now, part of that could be related to coming back early, you know, from an injury. So with me, it's just hard for me to put like a, a real firm stake in the ground right now on Cam Akers, but like I have him borderline in my top 12 right now. Okay great minds, as they say. So, we
0: talked about kind of chase and going against Ramsey and maybe having those issues and forcing Higgins and Boyd to become a bigger part of the offense. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case on the other side of the ball because there's only one Jalen Ramsey in this NFL league that we like to follow, and he does not play for the Cincinnati Bengals. Shout out to Tadobio Wuzia, PFF's 20th highest grade cornerback among 133 qualified guys. Even Mike Hilton in the slot. He's 23rd. We all saw that great interception he had against Ryan Tannehill a few rounds ago, but Eli Apple, despite all of his greatness on social media over the past few weeks, just tied for 74th (laughs) on the year, and it really hasn't been all that great in the playoffs. He's made a couple big plays. I mean, if you look at it, um, he did get the interception um, last week. He also got his hand in there on the Ryan Tannehill game-ending interception, but overall, 14 of 20 targets into his coverage have been caught for 155 yards and a pair of scores this postseason, so they have you these guys to shadow at times Chidobe and Eli. They did it on AJ Brown and Helio Jones a couple rounds ago. With that said, neither guy have made any sort of a habit staying in the slot. I mean, a just 5.5% of his snaps all year in the slot, Eli even lower at 4.7 percent. So, with all due respect to Mike Hilton, with all due respect to every corner in the National Football League, I don't think any of them can exactly match Cooper Cup. And that's why, as we start to transition a little bit to the props, if you guys didn't miss, if you guys did miss the 10 questions edition I did with Ben Brown. Cooper Cup over eight and a half receptions at plus 106 is a line that PFF is supporting because my God, guys, the volumes there, the matchups there, it's Cooper freaking Cup. You know, eight and a half receptions is one of the most absurd lines ever. But you know what? Cooper Cup just having one of the most absurd seasons ever. So maybe it's about time we start getting behind it. Dwayne, does that sound too ridiculous for you? Or like, I don't know, man. Like how many times would it take us three, four weeks during the regular season to kind of get behind Cup as like, okay, this guy's a legit top five fancy receiver now let's go it's a super bowl can't hold anything back
2: yeah i mean i don't see how you go against cooper cup you know i mean he's been pretty much automatic this season and hitting the over you know you're right it's weird seeing a you know a reception total like that and thinking oh i'm gonna bet the over (laughs) and it's just easy to click the over just because it's just it's you That's not typical for every other receiver. So, yeah, I think Cooper Cup, you know, is the easy um, option. Um, Another name that I would throw out there would be Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, just if we have Tyler Higbee not playing, we don't know yet. He was a DNP yesterday. We'll have to see what the practice report says today on Higbee. But with Beckham, I mean, he's just picked up more steam here over the last few weeks. And so, you know, you're going to need a secondary weapon to really get involved. The Bengals, I mean, not the Bengals, the Rams don't use the backs a ton. Um, out of the backfield so if Higby is out and we know Jefferson's really still more the deep threat Beckham's the other guy that works all areas of the field so if you guys check out you know over on PFF I think that's actually let me pull up yeah that's who Nathan Yonke actually had at his top uh, guy that he liked for the week outside of cup was Odell Beckham Jr and I agree with that he has some really good great analysis on it but you know one of the things we talk about a lot on here is you know the type of defense you're playing and remember this is a Whenever you look at, you know, the Bengals, they're going to run more man defense, you know, than what we've really seen the Rams face over the last few weeks uh, where they face really heavy zone opponents. Like it's the, the Bengals are not like a Superman heavy D, but they're going to run more man defense than what the Rams have been used to seeing. And in those cases, when you look at Beckham, targets per route run is 30% versus zone. It's only 16%. Yeah, and you look at what Stafford has dominated this year, and that has been man coverage.
0: 94.1 PFF passing grade against cover one. I mean, Burrow basically owns him and everything else, but maybe, just maybe, he can get those one-on-one matchups with Cup and OBJ. I also read a great article, shout-out to uh, Benjamin Solik and Steven Ruiz over at the Ringer, where they were kind of going through a different game plan, uh, you know, just how they're expecting basically both offenses to attack the defense. And, you know, I think the point that I want to say Solik was making... Was is that with OBJ now, he even gives down something that they didn't have with Robert Woods, being that you can isolate him away from trips and force defenses to maybe have to put a second defender over there. So when you really can't tote your coverage towards Cooper freaking Cup, that is when you're going to have problems. So, Andrew, we buried the lead. I always do this, but you're the prop prophet, man. So now it is your time to shine. What are your best props, favorite props for the Super Bowl of props? And just also, you know, the Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: All right. I love the introduction there. So let's go with start of the quarterbacks. Uh, we're doing rushing for the quarterbacks. We're not, we're not touching those passing yard props. They've been, they, the, the lines are too efficient now at this point. So Joe Burrow under eight and a half for his longest rushing attempt. Or, so if you look at Burrow this season, so he's rushed 14 times for 38 yards in his last four games for an average of 9.5 rushing yards per game. and only one of those rushing attempts did he get at least 9 yards. So if you look at his carries on the year as a total, so 49 total carries, he has gone over 8.5 rushing yards on one of those runs in the last four weeks and just thrice this season. So only three times he's hit it. So <laughs> if you can get it, I think it's, it's a really easy one to go under on. I think that's just being... His rushing is being a little overinflated from last week where he was running around a little bit more. You know, people are seeing him scrambling, but, you know, he's someone that's going to slide. Like, he's not going to try to, like, churn out extra yards. He's going to go as far as he needs to get the first down, and then he's going to go down. So I think that under 8.5 for the longest run is really easy
0: have our pff player prop tool up on the screen for you youtubers out there and while we do recommend burrow over 12 and a half rushing yards to andrew's point we're just looking at the longest rush in the picture i don't think our uh you know algorithm here is going that deep into those props but i'm happy you were able to find out some of those (laughs) in-depth stats for us andrew dwayne have you divin have you dove divin good one ian have you dove into the prop
2: market a ton (laughs) ahead of sunday I've diven into a few things, Ian, but like not, not, not as deep as what Andrew just doled out there for everybody. I don't have a thrice that I can work into my statement either. I wish I did, um, but I don't. Um so yeah, I would just say kind of going back to Samaji P Ryan would be the guy for me. And I know it's if you go to our best bets tool, Ian, and you just sort it by edge, I believe it pops up as one of the top you know uh, bets. But there's there's a lot going into that. One, we know that the Rams play much so much zone, so we know that what happens in those cases, you throw the ball more to your backs. We know that the Rams have an advantage in the pass rush, so we can see the Bengals have more long down and distance that also means you get to have P Ryan on the field more so when you combine those two things together potentially more work for P Ryan against against the defense that's going to be easy for Burrow to get the ball out and we also talked about to help beat the blitz what do you do use more of the quick passing game so there could be some situations where you get P Ryan a little bit more involved there like you mentioned we saw a little bit of a you know P Ryan you know it wasn't like he came you know he did all this stuff on his own it was a it was a play that worked out really good right that he scored on you know and had the long had the long reception but with P i just he's a guy that just it's one of those situations where all the signs point to okay like he can hit the over you know on what we have which i think is at 14 and a half still on the uh, rush receiving yards the four bets that our betting tool deems to have an edge of 25%
0: or more. Cooper Cup over 0.5 rushing yards. That's interesting. Cooper Cup over 8.5 receptions, which we brought up. Samaje Ryan over 14.5 combined rushing and receiving yards. And Matthew Stafford over 6.5 rushing or receiving yards. So keep an eye on those. Uh, again, just quickly to rehash the ones that Ben Brown was kind enough to give us. For those that don't know, Ben Brown hosts the PFF Gambling Podcast. Samaje Ryan over rushing yards. Might even be able to get that line a little bit lower. Total punts over 6.5. Guys, this is how I can start to like be accepted again by the kicker community. Not that I want to be or have any sort of, you know, desire to be, but a gambling on the events and outcomes of kicking events. That sounds like a good time, which is why we will also be betting first kickoff touchback. Yes, fading this idea that the first Super Bowl, you know, have you guys heard about this? The first ball they kick in the Super Bowl, apparently per Pat McAfee is like immediately sent to Canton. So like they don't get a chance to like actually break it in as well as usual. So that's why maybe this odd These odds aren't quite as high as usual on the kickoff touchbacks, but we are rolling with yes anyway. Cooper Cup over eight and a half. Matthew Stafford under 0.5 interceptions if you really hate yourself. First touchdown score will be a passing touchdown, and the team that scores first will win yes at minus 160. Guys. I also want to point out that we need to bet the under on the national anthem. Let's not forget about this Mickey Guyton singing this. Literally in an interview, the person singing the national anthem said, "I guess they call me Quickie Mickey because I do sing the national anthem fast." Like 21 minutes in this podcast, but that's that's the biggest takeaway
1: here, right? Quickie Mickey. Like (laughs) that's a terrible nickname. (laughs) She gave it to (laughs) herself. I hope he doesn't tell girls that's his nickname. I I think it is a girl Uh, oh well (laughs) tell girls and guys yeah teach (laughs) teach teach their own (laughs) oh all right guys
0: any of those stick out (laughs) other than the national anthem one because that's just free money
1: uh the ones you listed yeah here we go i got them
2: up on the screen No, the the main ones I really look at are the player props. I don't, honestly, I don't pay attention to like the first kickoff. You guys Like so (laughs) many. Like I read them, but I don't have any thought about how I get an advantage on that. Like I haven't thought through any of that or read any material that would tell me that. I guess I could probably quickly Google and there'd be something out there telling me (laughs) why I should, you know, bet one way or another. All
0: right, before we get our pick for the game, just want to quickly update everyone on the injuries. Rams are looking pretty good overall. The only major question is going to be Tyler Higbee. Andrew, our, we got our cheap tight end. If Higby's not in there, I know you're excited about that. DFS thoughts in a minute, but keep an eye on Higby. We mentioned the Cam Akers shoulder problem, uh, but he was able to practice in a full fashion on Thursday. With the Bengals, five players listed as questionable edge cam sample, tight end CJ Uzoma, uh, defensive tackle Josh Tupo, wide receiver Stanley Morgan, and guard Jackson Carmen. Only one to really kind of monitor is Uzoma, but again, he did say he uh, is expecting to be out there and will apparently be bathing in Skyline Chili if the Bengals. Angles happened to uh, <laughs> take home the W. So shout out to CJ Uzoma <laughs> for going out uh, on a limb there. <laughs> Fellas takes us to the picks. This is your moment. I want you guys to give an exact score prediction. If you're wrong, we'll probably never bring it up again. If you happen to nail it, maybe you'll, you know, get some like social media love. I don't know, but it's an exciting time. Andrew, what's your score prediction?
1: Going my, my Whoa, LA Rams. The hat. 20, 24 to 20 Rams.
0: Rams 24 20 from Andrew. Dwayne, what do you got?
2: I have Rams as well, 27 to 20.
0: You guys are, do you guys talk before
1: this? I mean, what the <laughs> hell is going on? No, because, I, go I,
2: I, I honestly, I just feel like the Rams are a really tough matchup for the Bengals. The
1: Rams are better I, than the Bengals in every way. when I mean, you look at it from just like a mathematical Besides st- Burrow, like, yeah. Yeah, like that's it. And then that's that's why they have a chance because of the quarterback. And, but besides that, like the Rams are better in almost, I think, in every other way, they have the edge.
0: That's why I got Rams. Thirty one to thirteen. I'm the go I'm not going. Yeah, come on guys trying to do this. Oh Rams win, but
1: Bengals hey, cover. I, 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 a, I was the only one seen. that did that, but I've got I've got yeah. <laughs> Depends on what the <laughs> line was <laughs> 27, at. I mean what's it at? Four reasonable. And at? What is it now? Four and a half, or is it still four? It's, it's probably four, climbing, so cl-
0: climbing uh, even more. <laughs> it's at six now. <laughs> Andrew, 24, 20 Rams. Dwayne, 27, 20 Rams. Ian, thirty one thirteen Rams. The, you know, if you're Bengals fans out there, you should be hyped right now. This is like that graphic we see on the pregame shows where everyone's picking the <laughs> wrong team here. Uh, yes. So good stuff there. Andrew, before we get out of here, you did your weekly DFS breakdown, which you can always find on PFF.com. As I pull it up online, what were kind of your big takeaways on It's like, what's your general goals? Because showdown slates are something that we usually didn't make a habit of talking too much about, um, you know, during our weekly DFS shows throughout the year. They are quite a bit different, though. I would just say, you know, before I throw it over to you, um, the one thing to keep in mind with the showdown slates, don't be afraid to leave salary there because there's such a heightened chance to have, you know, duplicate lineups that a big way to be contrarian is to simply, you know, leave a thousand dollars, leave eight hundred dollars on the table. So, Andrew, salary sticks aside, what are you thinking here ahead of Super Bowl DFS showdown?
1: Yeah, I think that obviously, you know, making sure you have a unique lineup is definitely key, like you would hit on and also be cognizant of what contests you're playing in. Like I've been playing a lot more small field GPPs where you have to buy more of an entry in the prize pool isn't necessarily as big, but I'm only going up against, you know, 300 people or 400 people as opposed to. 800,000 people (laughs) like, like, like that's, and and that's what you need to know that because if you are only facing 300 other people, then you don't need to be like super galaxy, brain. Like I got to like, make sure that there's so much salary left over. I need to make sure that it's so unique in so many different ways. Like you don't need that because not every lineup is going to be played, but in the millionaire maker contest on DraftKings, like every single lineup you could like possibly think of is going to be in play. So if you, unless you want to like, you know, split the winnings with a bunch of other people, especially if it's a very chalky lineup. Like that's just not going to work so i think that a good way to do it is to build a lineup you know like a quote-unquote like chalky lineup and then see okay how can i get different here okay i build a lineup i really like with cam Akers in it and i just take cam Akers out i just put in sony michelle like that's all you do differently because most people will make that lineup they'll probably just put in cam Akers because oh i have the money to pay for him i'll just pay for the quote-unquote you know rams starting running back when I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to envision a scenario where Michelle, you know, scores the touchdowns, Akers gets hurt or something like that happens. And especially on this slate, too, it's interesting because we have two teams that don't really use a lot of their ancillary pieces. Like, each team has their top three receivers. They have one tight end that plays on every single down, and then they each have... And running back is really the only area where they do kind of split it a little bit, but we still really have Mixon as the main guy and Akers as the main guy. So I think that running back is interesting as a point to try to get some under or value plays like a Samaji Piro like Dwayne mentioned or you know Sonny Michelle, who I kind of like a lot you know hey Sonny Michelle was the guy that put the Rams to defeat the last time they played in the Super Bowl he's got <laughs> Super Bowl experience and we'll see maybe he he plays hot and they decide to ride Sonny Michelle. you know what, what was thought about this Super Bowl last year is all the guys that scored touchdowns were all the guys that the Buccaneers like acquired and gotten trades so if you look at the Rams, could it be Stafford throwing it to OBJ, throwing it to, you know, Sony Michelle? like all the guys that they were able to kind of pick up throughout the season are the guys that ultimately kind of get them to the victory as opposed to guys that had, you know, coming back from last year. So those are just kind of some overarching thoughts on the slate. I think that from like a player perspective, I think that Van Jefferson is really interesting as like a cheaper wide receiver. I mean, he's been pretty bad for the last couple of weeks, but when I look at him like versus like a Tyler Boyd, I think Boyd probably has a pretty safer, Projection, but when I look at Van Jefferson, I mean the guy has been a high-value target machine over the last couple weeks. He had 120 air yards last week, did absolutely nothing with them. But that's something we chase. We chase the air yards every single week, and he's a big-play threat. Like his average depth of target is number one on the Rams. Like they're not using OBJ as much downfield as much as they're using him as more of a move the chains in possession wide receiver. So if you need someone to score a big play it's probably going to be Van Jefferson. He had three deep targets last week. He had one in the end zone, and that was coming off the prior week where he also saw another deep target and another target in the end zone. So if Van Jefferson catches the pass, like it's either going to be for 20 yards plus or a touchdown, like, like, but it's just, he only may catch one or two balls. Like that's the thing with Van Jefferson. So I think that he's interesting as one of the cheaper wide receivers. I think that he'll probably be like the least popular of like the three starting receivers on both teams, or at least it will be pretty close between him and a Tyler Boyd. I think that Bengals in the captain spot is pretty contrarian, whether it be a T Higgins or a Joe Mixon, Um, especially if you don't play Joe Burrow. I think that those are probably some things that I like. Um, I particularly like T Higgins in the captain spot and Cup, not in the captain spot, just playing Cup in the flex. I know Kevin Cole's done a lot of research on flex, you know, leverage as a, or wide receiver leverage in the flex, as opposed to the captain spot. I think playing Cup in captain spot is probably going to be the most popular movie that a lot of people make, which, I mean, I can't necessarily say that I blame people for doing that because he's going to score the most points probably, but if you're able to finagle a better lineup with Cup in the flex, I think that makes a ton of sense. I hit on Michelle, and I think that if you're playing in a very big field, you need to do a unique build where it's like a 5-1 or 4-2 on the side of the Bengals. So, and the way I think it, I, the, the way I think if I was playing in a large field GBP, I'd play, I would play Cup into the captain spot and I would play all Bengals. Like that's that's what I would do, and that's worked for me. The one time I've won a showdown contest, I remember I played Darren Waller in the captain spot, and I played all Chargers, and it worked. <laughs> so I think that's an interesting strategy because it's really a way to envision a scenario where it's just Cup, you know, doing all the production for the Rams like he does in most games, and then you're just hoping that the Bengals are just playing catch up. And Burrow's throwing the ball forty times, and Chase scores, and Higgins scores, and all these guys end up scoring, and it's not just one guy that's centered around. So that would be my contrarian way to attack it. But in most cases, I'll probably build around the Rams in some of these smaller field GPPs with Cup and Matthew Stafford as my preferred like pairing, and then kind of trickling in some Bengals guys, but really focusing on those players.
0: You mentioned Sony as kind of a you know backup, a little bit contrarian play. I think you know we've said Piran could have enhanced opportunities as well. Dwayne, is there someone out of these, you know, complimentary wide receivers are Bennett Skorenex of the world are, uh, you know, Trent Taylor's who's not actually, you know, registering snaps aside from on two-point <laughs> conversions that should have been going to Auden Tate if he was healthy enough to suit up. You know, we got Drew Sample, potentially if CJ Uzoma winds up, you know, not being a man of his word. Hell, we could have Kendall Blanton out there playing a full-time role if Tyler Higby doesn't end up suiting up. Out, you know, big name guys aside, you take away every team Top three uh, pass game options. Who do you like to maybe surprise some people
2: this week, Dwayne? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just it's the t- it's the backup tight ends, you know, it's yeah. two guys you gave. Because really, these two teams like they don't really use other receivers outside. They run a lot of eleven personnel, but they don't rotate. You know, yeah. the other guys. all. It. It's, it's it really yeah. But, well, when you have when you have the three that each of these teams have, and I know ben Jefferson hasn't been great, but like to Andrew's point, like he's playing a very specific role on his team. Um, Stretching the field out, like they they like going with the guys that they have. Um, We did have a brief moment, you know, where we saw uh, Bennett Scorernek like handle a little bit more, but that's long gone. Like it's been all back to Van Jefferson. So no, there's nobody sneaky. I think the only way to do it is really with the back with the secondary backs you talked about or the backup tight ends.
0: I remember the first uh, Super Bowl I really played a bunch of DFS was Eagles Patriots, and I was lucky enough to hit on Corey Clement. I've been looking for the Corey Clement ever since, but I'm starting to think there isn't the number three running back that goes for 100 receiving yards, you know, every single Super Bowl. So just, uh, you know, thing I've learned over the years. Good stuff, fellas. Before we get out of here, I just want to point out to everyone that you can get some skin in the game by going to DraftKings, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code PFF, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Just know it must be 21 years or older. See slash Sportsbook for your full list of requirements and stay specific, gambling, responsible, resources. And if you have a gambling problem, call call 1-800-GAMBLER also want to note that until February 14th, you can get 25% off any PF subscription If you use code SUPER25, support the podcast, use promo code SUPER25 for 25% off any sub, get all that locked article content rankings, green line player prop tool, our NFL draft guide, and so much more. Again, that's promo code SUPER25 for 25% off any sub. And finally, with Manscaped, special Valentine's Day offer this V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist, screaming with our exclusive offer. Go to Manscaped, and use code. PFF for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Fellas, we have concluded this podcast, but it is a slightly somber day. Andrew, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, so uh, I regret to inform everybody that this is going to be my last podcast with PFF. Uh, I have a new opportunity that has come to me in my life, so I will be making taking my talents uh, elsewhere, it's <laughs> the best way I can put it, but um, it's been, you know, awesome these past two years at PFF working full-time with Ian, and this past year with Dwayne, uh, it's just been an absolute pleasure, these two dudes are just absolute grinders, made me so much better of an analyst since when I started back in, you know, whatever, two seasons ago at the beginning, you know, I thought I was, thought I was hot shit, right, you know, I was came in like, oh, here we go, it's going be easy, but, you know, these guys have such strong skill sets in different ways. And there's really no one way to be a good fantasy analyst. There's a lot of ways to do it, and I think that you know, learning under these guys and watching these guys work um, has really helped me improve significantly. So, can't thank you guys enough for for helping me being on this platform. You know, Ian, you don't have you couldn't you could be like Andrew, you're not coming on like you suck, man. Like you, you're not coming on the podcast, Stop but it. <laughs> you don't
0: build it, man. Episode 426, and you know you're I think you probably hit triple digits. Uh, on your own. So, didn't mean to cut you off, but come on, man. You you helped get us here. And, uh, you know, again, I know I speak for Dwayne as well, where we're uh, incredibly happy for you. And, you know, it sucks to see you go, but you've done so many good things. Uh, whoever is out there getting you, they are getting a good one. Dwayne, any final comments? Yeah. Like, if you really hate Angela, like, now would be kind of no, a funny time to let me know. This is probably right a good time to let me know. Yeah, I've been waiting all
2: season <laughs> to do this. No, man, dude. You do a great job um and like just how much like you've grown even just this year like how good you've become at prop bets i think your dfs content is way up there um uh, I, I think you do a great job and i think you're constantly you, you talk about me and EMB being grinders But man, like, you know, I get very specialized in certain things that I'm looking at and I go really deep into them. Like, and so I have certain niches like where I'm super strong, but like, man, your breadth of all the things that you can hit. Like, I'm always impressed. I'm always like, man, like Andrew's really like, he's got the full scope of everything going on. So I think it's nothing but, you know, it's, I think your future, like it's all bright, man. Like you're going to get to do whatever you want to do in this industry. And man, we'll be happy to have you back on anytime we can get you on. The uh,
0: the bar I've always tried to hold kind of for myself is like if there's someone out there that really l- likes my content and believes in me as a fantasy analyst, I would hope that, you know, through everything I do, they could have, you know, DFS season long dynasty. They, all their fantasy questions, like I want to hopefully be there to answer them. I understand there's other great content providers, but I think our goal Part of our goal, if we want to be one of the most complete analysts, is to basically hit on all the content out there that people will be interested in. And Andrew, you do that, man. It's great. And, and it's uh, DFS Dynasty season long. You know, anyone that actually does go through the pro- best ball, like anyone that really does try to dive into all these different things, uh, knows how difficult they can be. They're completely different games uh, in and of themselves. So applaud you for not only you know stepping up the plate and doing it, but doing it well. It's really easy to go out there and say, "Hey, everyone, here are my uh, top 10 picks this week." Uh, we'll see how many are right, and even when eight are wrong, we'll be right back next week with uh 10 new picks a lot harder to actually go through you know team by team and again uh game by game yeah and you get
2: you get skin in the game i think that's very that's very important to me i do not listen to any analysts no offense there's probably some good ones (laughs) i'll listen to content creators like because i think there's you know and they go hand in hand But I think you do a really good job of creating good content, but you also have skin in the game. Like, I know you actually care about what you're writing because you're putting money on it. Like, you're putting your dollars out there. Um, So I... I respect that greatly because I mean, that's, those are the type of analysts I mostly want to go to the folks that I know that are not only just writing the stuff and we had a lot of them in the fantasy industry this year do really well. I wish I would have been one of the people that won like a million (laughs) bucks, but it wasn't me. We'll keep working on it, Andrew. next year (laughs) I I know you put your skin in the game on it and that means a lot to me. Thanks guys.
0: This will not be your last episode, Andrew. I'll drag your ass back here for some more uh, cheap uh, yeah, I mean, we
1: got to get someone to back days. on to talk about Deontay Harris and his breakout <laughs> next year. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll try to, co- I'll cover for you on Deontay Harris for, you know, until you can get back on for an episode. Well, from Dwayne, myself, and all the listeners out there, we sincerely thank you, Andrew, and wish you the
0: best of luck uh, in the future. Hope everyone has a great Super Bowl 56. We will be back next week. Full send Dynasty mode at that point. Hope you guys have enjoyed the content, you know, that we've been sprinkling up to this point. But truly, once Tuesday hits people, we are going all in Dynasty streets. I finished my rankings yesterday. I'm hyped. I'm ready to bark about it. So for Andrew, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care,